Hello, back from SPX, and I am here with... Maya Kobabe. Uh, Maya, how's your day going? It's been really nice so far. Yeah, I love this show. Yes, it is truly awesome. This is, this is where I first met you. When you were first nominated for Ignatz, how long ago was that? Uh, my first nomination was in 2017, but I didn't make it to that show. Mm-hmm. And then I did make it in 2019 when Gender Fair was nominated. That's right. Oh, was that the first time? I feel like I had met you somewhere before that. Possibly. But, uh, I couldn't say. It's been lost to the I know, it is. Time. We do get into the midst of time. Well, Maya, I, I did want to talk to you about some stuff that's been in the news of late. A lot of people are talking about it, and I really do have to ask you. So what do you think of uh, Rings of Power and Lord of the Rings? I have not seen (laughs) Rings of Power yet. I am a big Tolkien fan. I loved the movies. I've read the books many times. When I was a teenager, I read that um, Christopher Lee said he'd read the books every single summer for 20 years. And at 13, I took this as a challenge and decided that I would also do so. I made it five years in a row for reading the Lord of the Rings trilogy and then decided maybe I could see other books. Um, But I'm not much of a TV watcher. Um, I have very little time for it. I really thrive on audio media um, because I listen to things while I'm drawing. So I have not tried the TV series yet. I hear good things. I do wish the elves were wearing wigs. Yes, but um, that's yes. kind of all I can say is having watched it yet. Well, there was actually a big controversy about it. Uh that was that the elves are shown wearing plate mail and uh, actually Tolkien does not ever mention plate mail he's always about there wearing chain mail yes. and so uh, that is a real discrepancy about the show and yet somehow Tolkien purists who we see everywhere didn't mention that they were obsessed with other trivial things what can you say? Fans just grasp onto the strangest little details <laughs> that is so true but I, I do know, I, I think your first Ignat's nomination was for some fairy tale, wasn't it? It was like- for Tom of Bedlam, which is a comic adaptation of a medieval ballad poem. It was written by an anonymous author um, sometime maybe a little bit before the era of Shakespeare. And it's this poem that I just read and fell in love with. And I thought it had all these amazing visuals of just like demons and architecture and like there's like knights and fairies there's a battle there's a stabbing there's a lot going on in this like short 24 page work and it was the first big thing i put out after i graduated from cca and i was so excited to get an ignat's nom for it yeah well it's a really beautiful comic and it really caught my eye with your artwork and you know what a great artist you were and uh you your great touch with fantasy and interestingly of course you are now known for Genderqueer, which yes. is... A, a memoir, contemporary, a, yeah. Yes, and very, very powerful book that's really influenced a lot of people. Uh, and, of course, engendered a lot of really stupid... Uh, engendered. Did you see what I said <laughs> there? amazing pun, yeah. I yes, yeah. yes. Uh, a lot of really uh, stupid uh, controversy. But we're not going to go there today. We're going to talk about the fact that on your Spotlight panel yesterday, you did mention that you would like to do fantasy comics again. Yes, I would love to. It's not going to be my next book, because that one is also going to be a contemporary. But I have, you know, like many fantasy nerds, I have this long-running idea, that story I came up with when I was 13. It has a dragon, it has a healer, it has a battle, it has a medieval-esque village. Um, and I've written many drafts of it. I've done it two different years. I've tried to write it as a prose novel during NaNoWriMo um, when I was in college. And I think at this point, the next time I take a stab at it, it will be as a graphic novel, and it will have a non-binary protagonist. Um, and this story is very dear to my heart, but it's also very long and weird and complicated and would need a lot of editorial help. So I don't know when that's coming, but it is something I'm very passionate about and I think about pretty regularly. So I don't know. Look out for that someday. Well, I, I, I mean, I think it's interesting that 
to see what kind of comics you know you are making after a book that has gotten you know it's gotten so much attention yeah. and is in the news and you're in the news and uh, I mean I, you were talking again on your spotlight about how just doing interviews like we're doing now takes up so much of your time that you don't always have time to make comics but you do have a full table full of mini comics so you are I still do. able to work and to, to keep getting stuff out there yes I just there's been just it's a couple of weeks it was like the week after, um, like, the midterm elections last year, and then the week after April this year when ALA announced that Gender Fear had, in fact, been the number one most challenged book of the previous year, like, those two weeks I got, like, yeah, so many requests that had I answered them all, I would have been literally just doing interviews all day and, like, not making any work. Um, but I do, like, try to do everything I can to sort of maintain my creative time and spend as much time at my desk drawing and listening to audiobooks and podcasts, which is, of course, my preferred activity. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you mentioned talking, but I, I got the impression you're a bit of a fantasy nerd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I read a lot. I, I've maintained a goal of reading 100 books a year since 2003, and a lot of it is genre stuff. You know, of course, all of the people that everyone has read, I love Octavia Butler. I love Ursula K. Le Guin. I love... Tamora Pierce and like all of these authors that have both carried me from my teen years and then into my adulthood. Um, and then I've also been gotten really into reading like very recent releases. A new favorite fantasy author is Nevo, a queer Vietnamese American writer who just put out a book called Siren Queen that I'm like obsessed with. And then Arcadia Martin's um, sci-fi duology, A Memory Called Empire is the first one. I loved those books. So it's, it's really, really exciting to read sci-fi and fantasy Specifically by queer POC authors released in the last couple of years. There's so much good, new, fresh yeah. stuff coming out. It feels really different than what was available when I was young. Right, right. And I mean, you know, science fiction has dealt with, uh, with gender, with gender yes. transformation, actually. Yeah. You know, they were way ahead of the All curve. the way back to the left hand of darkness, yes. one of the first books that really looked at like non-binary identity stuff yeah yeah, yeah that's true uh, did you what did you first encounter that book i read that in high school and i loved it and it had a big impact on me i definitely read it as a utopian novel which most people do but not i think the part that hit me of course was like the gender stuff when i read it as a teen i don't know that's that's a book i would love i need i need to give it a reread it's so good and i haven't read it probably for at least 15 years yeah yeah so what is it about tolkien that that appealed to you because he's he's my main he's my main guy i gotta be honest i mean he's great i mean obviously i deeply relate to the hobbits I, too, just want to live in a cozy little hole and eat five meals a day and chat with my friends and be in a garden. And his just his writing about nature particularly picks me. I grew up way out in the country, and his descriptions of just of plains and forests and grass and trees and skies, like, when you read all of those many chapters where they're just walking and walking and walking, you can tell this author, too, has walked miles and miles over countryside. There's just, like, a sort of realism to his descriptions of land yeah. that I feel is missing from a lot of other type of fantasy writing and I, it just really it really does it for me he was a naturist no question yes. about it I mean he was kind of obsessed with trees oh and, yeah and if you like throughout the work there's just so much tree imagery yes. and tree mythology and um you know, he abs you know, he hated industrialization and he hated like cutting down forests and all that kind of stuff, which is why some of the some of the narrative about uh, his work now is really risible if you actually understand Tolkien. I agree, and it's like if he were living in our climate change era, I am very 
I'm very certain that he would be speaking out against deforestation, about against climate change, and he would be talking about preserving wetlands and wildlife and like all of those topics which I also think are very relevant today and are interwoven through fantasy and real life is like the preservation of nature and the destruction of nature at the hand of industry which is what we see at the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy we are dealing with that white scale constantly yeah absolutely is there another novel I mean you mentioned Octavia Butler or several authors is there any other books that really have struck you and you know like their themes really resonated with you oh my gosh I don't know if this is like a themes resonated with me but I'm currently obsessed with the Lock Tomb series by Tamsin Muir lesbian necromancers in space they're pretty dark um, and they deal a lot with apocalypse and end of the worlds and conversations about death and endings um, but they're also just like so voicey and well written and the characters are so interesting and engaging and just like like everything from like kind to mean to nasty to smart to funny to soft and like I uh, I bought No to the Ninth, the third one, before this SPX trip, and I tried to finish it before I got here, but I couldn't, and so I'm carrying around this heavy hardback <laughs> new release on the plane. I'm staying up till 2 a.m. the first time I was here, obsessed with this novel. So yeah, those have got me hooked. Well, I'm really impressed by your ability to read actual prose books, um, because that's something that I have lost entirely. I read comics not as many as I should. I read the internet way too much. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think I'm going to try to follow in your footsteps a bit and go back to reading good old fantasy books. Cause it feels good. It feels good to read a book. Right? It really does. So, well, if you are reading a book, I do recommend you should read Genderqueer. It is a really good book. Uh, Maya, thank you so much for taking a little time to chat with us today. Always a pleasure. All right. We are live from the floor of... Mocha Arts Fest, the annual indie comics and self-published comics and graphic novel festival. And I have the great pleasure to be here with T-Boy, the author of the new illustrated memoir, The Best We Could Do, from Abrams Comics, Comics Arts. T, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Great. So uh, this is a family uh, memoir. Um, uh, your parents are, are Vietnamese. Um, it's an incredible saga. Uh, very timely, obviously, in the world we live in now. Yeah. But in many ways, it's a classic American story, or a classic American immigration story in some ways. Right. Uh, though, you know, your parents were, uh, uh, well, all of you were trying to get out of Vietnam at a really amazing time. And subsequently, you know, becoming a family, becoming an American family, it's, it's just, it's just a great story. <laughs> so, yeah. rather than me blather it on, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about you know what this book tries to cover as it tells the story of your family. Um, God, it's I'm so bad at doing this. I actually really like hearing what other people <laughs> describe it as because it's for me. It's just like this big mess of a thing that. Well, just give us a. a well, I, I sort yeah. of said it, but I, I'm sure they would rather hear you describe your oh, book gosh. than me. All right. So I guess in some ways it is a refugee history. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about being a refugee is that you know to yourself you're just a normal person. Sure. But with some some baggage, it's not cool to talk about in regular social circumstances. But in a story, you kind of have to show people with their warts and all and their baggage and all. And yeah. so that's what I got to do with my family. Um, you know, deal with some of the things that are hard to talk about in terms of the trauma that you carry from mm-hmm. surviving sure. hard stuff like war and displacement um, and how it affects your relationship with your family members. Sure. Um, so, you know, I come from a family and I think from a culture that doesn't hash things out yeah. in in conversation so much and our silence speaks volumes. Sure. Yep. Um, 
So I had to rely on a lot of narration mm-hmm. uh, to lead to lead you through the story. Um, so I guess it starts out when I became a parent myself yes. mm-hmm. and learned empathy for my own parents. Yeah, I'd say for what they had to go through to yeah. get you this far. Well, <laughs> it just mostly it was just a very visceral realization that crap. I'm responsible now for this other person's life, sure. and it is such a huge responsibility. And how do you not mess up that responsibility? So, look, suddenly looking at my parents through that lens, um, I couldn't believe all of the things that they had gone through to well, bring me and my siblings. Well, it's a harrowing story. Even though they, the beginnings of their lives are kind of in colonial privilege. Yeah, yeah, especially my mother. Especially your mom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and well, before you go into could you outline your family because it's sisters, it's a brother, it's can you give our listeners just a little bit of how big a family we're talking about? Sure, sure. So we're a family of four children, mm-hmm. um, and there's my mother and father, and I just call them Bo and Ma mm-hmm. in the story. Um, just just mother and father, and um, my my sisters are quite a bit older than me. They're seven and nine mm-hmm. years older, uh-huh. and I was only three years old when we immigrated to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I've had to rely on their stories a sure. lot to understand my own history. And my little brother um, is three years younger than me, and he was born along the way uh, yes, in a right. refugee camp. Yeah. Um, tell us. Uh, we're going to jump back to the story, but uh, can you tell us a little bit about your comics career? Because um, I mean, I'm not familiar with you. I'm very impressed with the work, your storytelling, um, uh, your drawing. So, how is? Uh, can you tell us about your comics background? <laughs> I don't really have one. Okay, well, <laughs> I, <laughs> learned, <laughs> I learned how to do comics by working on this book. Well, this is incredible. So, uh, well, tell us how the book started. I mean, <laughs> were you doing this in school, or did you just decide one day I'm going to do like a 300-page graphic novel about my life? <laughs> Well, um, I had some role models. Uh-huh. So Craig Thompson was one. So I oh, figured, you know, sure. 700 graphic, 700 page graphic novel, no, no big biggie, deal, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what um, he does before lunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then of course, like Art Spiegelman was a huge hero, uh, uh-huh, sure. and Marjan Satrapi, mm-hmm. you know, people who taught me that, oh, you can actually deal with family histories and world history in this really mm-hmm. engaging and sure. accessible way. So I was very inspired by them, but I didn't, no, I didn't do comics. I I could draw, and I uh-huh. felt like I could write, and so it was this hugely arrogant idea. So, did you have a studio art background, or I did. or a graphic design? Yeah, I, I have an MFA in sculpture. Ah, okay, well, <laughs> close I, enough. <laughs> not close at all. Yeah, I kept getting in trouble um, during sculpture because they told me my work was too narrative. So, I mean, well, art I schools are famous for that. I, I actually have an MFA. So, but, okay. Yeah. And did you so get in trouble too? Uh, well, yes and no. I yes almost didn't no. graduate. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I graduated. I had some problems, um, but I did narrative art too. So, okay. you know. Yeah. So eventually, it, it I, I wasn't in out. favor, but I did it. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. I did a shadow puppet play. Ah. Oh, cool. With some of the same material, mm-hmm. but like it was just. It was a little bit too abstract still. Yeah. And so I was, I felt like, all right, I think maybe I need to change the medium and seek uh-huh. out, seek out some storytellers and actually like, you know, figure out the craft of sure. storytelling. Cause it's not like just cause you want it to be narrative, it's going to be any good. Mm-hmm. And I learned that the hard way. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's 10, 12 years later, here I am finally okay. with my first comic. So how long did it take you to do this book? 10, 12 10 years. years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. I wasn't drawing every day. Uh-huh. And I was doing this on the side while I was a public school teacher oh, and, okay. and a mom. Uh-huh. Um, so my days were pretty busy, and I would draw comics like on the weekend or school holidays. Uh-huh. 
And it wasn't until um, I did a comic arts residency where I got to work with like Craig Thompson and like. And where was this residency? This was at the Atlantic Center for the Arts. It was uh -huh. there, they normally do residencies for like fine artists, like choreographers and dancers and uh, painters. You know, I and couldn't stuff. quite hear you. What? Where? The Atlantic Center for the Arts. And where is it? It's this? in Florida. Uh huh. Okay. Um, they decided to open up their program to uh, sequential artists. Good for them. For the first time, <laughs> yeah, and they brought together. Uh, Craig Thompson, Paul Pope, and Svetlana Shmakova. Those are great. Yeah. That's a quite a triumph, <laughs> a trio of, of artists. And here, then yeah. each of them um, had people apply to work with them. Oh. And, and then they chose eight people each. Oh. So it was a group of 24 emerging and mid-career artists mm -hmm. and then like three mentors. And we got to just hang out and do comics and talk and about how, comics. How far along in the book project were you? This was really early on. So that was very early. So, yeah, yeah. so did the book project really start there? I think so. Yeah. That was uh -huh. in 2010. I see. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Right. Um, it was really amazing to get like the mentorship there mm -hmm. and then to build the, the relationships with other people. So now, how did the book come to Abrams? Did you have an agent? Did you just, did you meet somebody? Do you like, are you an insider in publishing? Okay, so this is a good story. <laughs> oh, no. even better. That's what I, we want. Good yeah. stories. All right. <laughs> so I get to, I get to the Atlantic Center. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to work on my book. I think that it's going to be like the first Vietnamese American graphic novel that deals with the Vietnam War. Because yeah. uh, I've done my research, sure. right? And then Craig Thompson hands me an advanced reader copy of Vietnam America uh, yes, I know the by J.B. Well. Tran. Yes. And I just about died. book. Yes. Because it was really good. Yes. <laughs> He's a really good storyteller, too. He yeah. really is. And what a story. Seriously. So I read this thing and I was like... I was just dying inside. Um, and so, um, then I, then I stopped him. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he do was what you have to do. Yes, I was living in Berkeley and he was living in New York City at the time. And uh -huh. I, I just, I found his email and I emailed him and I said, GB, I read your book. I'm also working on a book that's kind of similar. I have to admit that I, I wanted to kill you at first, <laughs> but, but now I'm very ashamed of that feeling. So, Maybe we could be friends. There you go. Um, and and also, do you want to do a? And like I a promise first, not to kill you. Yeah. And well, but first, will you do this comic with me? This collaborative comic. So we did this two-page oh. graphic essay about meeting each other. Oh, cool. And mine was like just making fun of my own reaction to basically wanting to pull a Highlander on him uh, and go. There can only be one. Was that? Was this published somewhere? It was. It was published in Hyphen Magazine, oh, okay. which is a it's a um, Asian American like oh, cool. culture magazine, mm -hmm. culture in the. Is it online somewhere where we could find it? I I can't. I don't. Maybe. Yeah, I'll look. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, one day I get a I got a message on LinkedIn of all places. <laughs> so people don't don't delete your LinkedIn account. Yeah, I, I, there you go. <laughs> um, from an editor or an editorial assistant at Abrams saying that she saw that and was interested in what I was working on and what I sent her some stuff. And who was it? Do you remember the, her name? Yes, it was Clarissa Wong. Uh-huh, okay. Who no longer works there, uh -huh. but I I loved her so much for finding me and walking me through the process of pitching the idea to Abrams that I asked to keep her on as the editor. So she stayed as my editor the whole time. Oh, that's very cool. So you didn't have an agent. I did not have an agent. You have an amazing story. So you just, someone <laughs> saw you and said, hey, you should pitch, and you did. Yeah, well, she didn't say, hey, you should pitch. She said, I'm interested in this. Uh, oh, I see. And, okay. and But honestly, your art's quite not quite good enough, but if you work on it, like, we would like to pitch it. 
um, I think she really liked my writing. Yeah. She didn't feel like my, my art was quite there. So I just worked my, my butt off sure. for, I don't know, a good six months mm-hmm. with her advice on to, to get something story, together. Yeah. So, I mean, this is not a work of great mastery. It is a work of, like, just dogged perseverance (laughs) and and quite a bit of luck, honestly. at the end of the day, you know, a lot of comics, it's just the ability to sit in a chair and get it done. For sure, right? It has a lot to do with it as well. And I love podcasts because they help me keep myself glued to my my seat. (laughs) Well, you'll be able to listen to yourself talking about your book. Yeah, I don't know if that's so good. (laughs) Um... Well, great. Well, you've got an amazing background. Um, um, uh, your book deal, I mean, that's pretty incredible. I mean, the ability for someone to sort of see your work and say, hey, I want you, that almost never happens. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think it's a testament to the material and to the experiences that you share with us because, uh, I mean, really some of the best parts of the book, even though they're, they're sort of adventure, in, in if I can describe it yeah. that way, is the stories you tell about your parents, their upbringing, um, for, you know, someone like me to read about it and to read about another culture, uh, and also to bring in, in fact, another really interesting book on Vietnam that I read recently. I think it's called The Quiet Little War or something. Have you seen Such this Such a book? Lovely Little War. Such a Lovely Little War. Yeah, by Marcelino Trill. It's, re- I, I read that last year and I was really, I just really love it. It's so exciting to have more than one book out there. Well, you, you've got, a, there's a shelf now, you know. Yeah, and every, know. each one has a different perspective. Yes. Which is how it should be, right? Yeah. Like, no one should be the single story of the whatever experience. There should be, like, yeah. multiple facets to it. Because he was obviously really an elite. This is a story of his yeah. his family as diplomats, right. uh, you know, as the war unfolded. Yeah. and biracial. Yes. Yeah, right, because his wife is French. Yeah. So, um... But yeah, but maybe could you tell our listeners a little bit more about just your your father and your mother and their stories? I think, it, I mean, that's a wonderful part of the book. I mean, just to see what they, how they ended up with each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my dad is a uh, he's a bit of a rebel. Um, modeled modeled himself after James Dean in the sixties. All right. Um, <laughs> you know, studied philosophy. Uh, he's kind of a bad boy. And then my mom was like from a, like a really amazing student from a very good family. And she wanted to be a doctor and save lives. But instead she met and fell in love with my father who was dying of tuberculosis at the time. Uh-huh. And she saved him instead. <laughs> uh, okay, well that's good for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Keeps our story going. <laughs> it is a very romantic story. Yes. Um, which neither of them will admit to. Yeah. <laughs> I had to I had to pull these details out of them because, um, of course, they're like an old couple now, yeah, and they have yeah. like all kinds of baggage. But um, you know, he, my father lived in North Vietnam yeah. during uh, the first Indochina War, which lasted a decade, and during the Japanese occupation mm-hmm. of Vietnam during World War II, where there was a famine that killed a million people. Yeah, and this is the kind of stuff that he grew up like. These are his formative years, four or five years old, running from bullets and, like, you know, opening the door in the morning, there being corpses yeah. uh, mm-hmm. on his porch. Um, so I think that he saw a lot of things that you, you shouldn't see yeah. as a kid, and it really scarred him, and he never processed it. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that, that stuff all came out again when he became a father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I guess 
My father's a survivor. Yes. And then my mother, who had a very nice childhood, had a really hard adulthood. Yeah. She worked mm-hmm. like a dog all her life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she became poor. <laughs> she became dirt poor living with my father and then uh, with, like, inflation and just the, the effect that the war had on oh, Vietnam. Yeah. Their lives were really, really tough. And she became a, a tiger and a survivor, um, just keeping the family yeah. together. Sure. She was the she was the sole breadwinner for a long time when we came to the U.S. Because uh-huh. my father dealt with um, we didn't know this at the time, but you know there was a lot of PTSD and depression. Sure, sure. And so she was the one that just you know went to work and kept well, us to, kept not us to alive. Re- reduce yeah. your family's experiences to the refugee because obviously uh, there's so much more to it. But that that is a significant part of the story. Um, uh, there was a boat trip. Yep. I mean, yep. to get uh, to Malaysia. Yep. Um, uh, but um, the story, as it as it ended up, is you know, it, at the end of the day, it's like so many incredible American immigrant stories, and um, uh, it's all written out in your book. Yeah, so I'm gonna, <laughs> tell yeah. you what, I'll wrap this up. Uh, you you actually talk very eloquently about the book and your family. So now people need to go out and buy it. <laughs> so, look, T, thank you very much for being on More to Come. Thank you for having me. Hi, this is Kate Fitzsimmons, live at FlameCon with Greg Peck. Hey, how's it going? So, Greg Peck, what brings you to FlameCon? Well, I got invited, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I love community cons. I love cons mm-hmm. that are, you know, focused on... Uh, nurturing all kinds of different audiences, and uh, I got I back a couple of years ago. Flamecon ran a Kickstarter, and I backed it because I thought it was a great idea, and uh, and they invited me out. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I guess I've I've written a lot of gay and lesbian characters over the years, and mm-hmm. so uh, the folks there were you know really very kind to uh, to give me an invitation. Awesome. Um, so. Um, so, how has your FlameCon experience been this year? It's been great. I've uh, uh, I did a panel yesterday about uh, diversity, and, uh, and it was a ton of fun. Very smart people on the panel, very funny people, and the audience was really great. Like, yeah, it's a really smart and involved audience, so the questions were great. It was a, it was a good time, and I've been tabling, and it's been uh, very nice. I have lots of people coming by and. Picking stuff up and talking, and uh, it's been great. Storm is probably the most popular book I've got out here on my table right now. Well, Storm and the Princess Who Saved Herself. That's the kids' book I got. Uh, ABC Disgusting, which is another one of my kids' books, has been doing well. So, But yeah, I've written a lot of X-Men over the years. And the X-Men, also, yeah, the Extreme X-Men book I did. There are a lot of folks here who, who have said nice things about it, which is nice. But uh, it's, been, it's been fun. So this being FlameCon, what would you say is your favorite work you've done with an LGBT character? Probably the Extreme X-Men book. Uh, it's a story about a dimension-hopping group of mutants led by Dazzler, who have a, their, their mission is to travel around different dimensions and uh, kill ten evil Xaviers, because there are ten evil Xaviers out there, and that's their job. They have to take them out. Uh, but, uh, but as part of that team, there's an alternate universe uh, Wolverine and an alternate universe uh, Hercules, um, who during the course of the story become lovers. And they're just awesome. I just love those two characters. Howlett is the, uh, the, the the Wolverine character. And he's an older Wolverine. He's like in his yeah. 50s. He's like big and burly. He was like the uh, former governor general of the Canada of his world. He comes, <laughs> he comes from a world which is, uh, in, in, it's like a kind of a steampunk mythology world. You know what I mean? So it's like a, it's like a 
turn of the century world where uh, the gods walk among men, you know, among humans, and uh, so he and Hercules fell in love during that time. So, but it's it, it was it's, those characters just so, so much fun. So right? that uh, book and its run when it came out is oh, it's called well, the book is called Extreme X Men, and there are two volumes out right, two collected volumes out right now. I think we did that in what two thousand and maybe two thousand eleven, two thousand thirteen. I. It's all blending. Okay. I don't know. Just because there are so many yes. things called that, I just wanted to make, yeah, our, yeah, make yeah. sure our readers could find it's the, the most, right one. It's the most recent. Oh, extreme, if, it's, if you Google Extreme X-Men and my last name, Pac, P-A-K, you'll find it. Okay, great. And do you have anything else that you would like to tell our Yes. Yes, listeners? as a matter of fact, I do. Thank you for asking. I have, yeah. a, uh, I have a brand new book called Kingsway West, which comes out on Wednesday, uh, August 24th. It's uh, my first creator-owned book with a mainstream publisher. I'm really excited about it. It's coming up from Dark Horse. And it is, uh, so it's called Kingsway West, and it's the story of a Chinese gunslinger searching for his wife in an old west overrun with magic. Uh, so it's a it's a magical western. It's awesome. Mirko Polak is the artist. It sounds very cool. And uh, yeah, and I hope you I hope you, if, you feel free to check it out. If you live in uh, New York or Long Island or Philly or DC or Annapolis or Wilmington, uh, <laughs> go to gregpock.com because I'm doing a little mini tour next week, and uh, you may be able to catch me at your local comic shop. Thank you so much. Thank you. So this is Kate Fitzsimmons, and I am here at FlameCon with the writer of Kim and Kim. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Magdalene Vestagio. Awesome. So uh, how has your FlameCon been? Oh, it's been fantastic. This has probably been the best show I've ever done in terms of the overall atmosphere and in my table performance. Um, I've been really busy, and I'm pretty much sold out of my stuff. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about Kim and Kim? Kim and Kim is about a couple of best friends who decide to launch an interdimensional bounty hunting business out of their flying van. That is awesome. That was the idea. So uh, when you when people like come up to the table, um, have they experienced the book before? Are they new to it? Um, a lot of people have already purchased the book and bring up their copies for me to sign. Um, I've had a lot of people who have heard about the book and were just excited to see it so they could finally get one because... Black Mask books aren't always in your local comic shop because uh, it's a smaller publisher. Um, and I've had a lot of people who have been like, oh, I've heard about this. What is it? And, a bit, and just a few people who were totally unfamiliar with it. Awesome. And do you have anything that you would like to tell our listeners? Oh, God, the pressure. Um, anything. Be excellent to each other and party on dudes. Sounds good. Thank you so much. This is Kate Fitzsimmons, and I am at FlameCon 2016 with Sophie Campbell. Hi. So uh, the only book I see out here is, like, two issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, by which I take it that your books are selling well. Yes. I am also about, except for these two last lonely copies of Ninja Turtles. So how is your FlameCon this year? It's been really awesome. I've never done it before. It's my first time at Lincoln. Um It's just been really good. Like everybody is like really excited and supportive, and I feel like it's like a really safe space, which I like. Um, yeah, it's just been really good. I think it's it's one of the best cons I've done. So, have you been on any, on any panels this year? Yeah, I did. Um, today, I did like a female characters panel, mm-hmm. and then yesterday, I did like a diversity panel. I mean, they were both really good. 
So I'm guessing you got a lot of love for your gem comic. Yes, absolutely. A lot of love for gem, a lot of love for wet moon. It was cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you have, any, do you have anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? Um, follow me on Twitter at mooncalf1. Thank you again. Awesome.